This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hey there, and thanks so much for joining us here on the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. And you may be wondering if Helena is with us. She's not here for this episode, but she'll certainly be back on the next episode for one of our So Small Talk chats. On this episode, I speak with Jillian from the blog Crafting a Rainbow. And if you follow Crafting a Rainbow, you'll know that she loves to create beautiful, colorful, and very wearable, comfortable designs. Uh, So she's got a great style. And she also has run some really interesting events, if you will, on her blog, including the Better Pictures Project, in which she interviewed a number of other bloggers who seem to be able to take extraordinary photographs of their sewing makes and uh, gave us insights into how we ourselves as sewers can take better pictures of our own projects. Also, Jillian runs a really fun event called Sewing Dares. And this is where Jillian will have a look at your blog or your Instagram feed or your Flickr photos of what you're sewing, and she'll find just the right dare to take you out of your comfort zone. So it's sort of like Christmas, and you're really excited for Santa to come, except you're also terrified as to what you're going to get. So we talk about all of that and more. And so without further ado, here is my interview with Jillian from Crafting a Rainbow. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this. I was, uh, I'm really excited to chat with you and I've been a follower of your blog for a while now and always enjoy it. So um, it's pretty cool to be able to talk to you in person. Yeah, I know. We're like two hours apart. I feel like we just have to meet in person now. That would be great. It would be really (laughs) nice to get together and compare some sewing notes. Um, But Jillian, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about why you sew? Oh man, why do I sew? Um, I think like lots of people, I would say it's therapy. Like it's what's relaxing. You turn your brain off, the hum of the sewing machine. I love the creative process. Um, and I also like the problem solving because I tend not to be a person who like plans things. I kind of jump in and then it goes wrong. And then I really enjoy that, like going wrong and changing it process. So I think that's what appeals to me. Oh, wow. I'm impressed because I, I feel like in some ways I'm kind of the opposite in terms of the challenge. I turn into my alter ego so Zillow when I get too much of a challenge. I'm like, ah, I can't do this damn thing, throwing it away and having fits. So I'm impressed. That's good. And I guess that explains why you've, um, I think you said you started sewing not too long ago, right? How long ago did you start sewing? You know what? It's starting to be longer now. It's four and a half years, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I sewed growing up. I always, you know, my 18th birthday present was a, was a sewing machine. So I took it to university and I would like, I remember this one, one pair of pants. So I went to university in the early 2000s. So it was like low rise pants with like a wide leg. And my figure doesn't really suit low rise pants. So I remember shortening the leg because I'm really short and taking the hem of the pants and making it into a second waistband to like raise them up. And it was lined with like flannel ducky fabric on the inside of the waistband. So I would say that's always been my style of like, ah, whatever, like, you know, not, not the most couture. (laughs) Uh Yeah. 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 That's amazing. That's, that's, um, what an incredible hack that would have been. (laughs) 
only works if you're short. Yeah, and I do remember the early 2000s with the horrible, extremely ever-lowering waistlines that really were not flattering on anybody, I think, no. really. Yeah. No, definitely not. Yeah. But you seem to have, um, and, and you've, you've mentioned this already, but you, you have a pretty clear sense of your own style. I get that impression from, from your blog. You seem to yeah. love dresses in, in vibrant colors, mostly using knits, uh, and they all seem to be very polished and flattering, but also quite comfortable, I think. That seems to be, uh, am I kind of getting that right in terms of your yeah, personal style? definitely, for sure. And yeah. I think that really took maybe probably looking back like the first two years of my sewing. So I got into sewing in, I think, January 31st was like, I made a pattern and I was so scared to make a pattern and I made a sorbetto. Never wore it, maybe once. Um, but like I jumped in and by me made May that year. So like what, three months later, I was doing me made May handmade clothes every day. So I went in pretty hardcore. Wow. Uh, not like exclusively handmade, but something handmade every day. Um, and during that era, I was sewing a lot of like quilting cotton collette dresses and I was too lazy to put a zipper in. So I had to like dislocate my shoulders to crawl <laughs> in and like, I just wasn't really my style. So I think once I started sewing knits and kind of figuring out you know, what worked for work. It's got to be something I can teach Jim in. It has to be something I can, you know, have kids sit at my knees on the carpet. Right. And you're, you're a teacher, anything. right? I'm an elementary teacher. Yeah. So that really defined things. But I still think like my work clothes and my play clothes aren't really all that different. Yeah. Like a casual but slightly dressed up style that suits everything. That's just my goal. Mm. So what advice do you have for those of us, myself included, who are still kind of trying to figure out our own personal style? I mean, I noticed on your blog, you've even figured out your own color palette. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you, you figured out the colors that not only suit you, but that you love to wear. Uh, and that helps you pick out, you know, your fabrics yeah. and, and things like that. So what advice have you got for the rest of us who haven't or are still kind of going, I'm not really sure? You know what? Basically, that was it. Like, I think that was the turning point for me. Before Colette did Wardrobe Architect, they had like a color palette for like spring and summer and fall and winter. And I remember making a spring and summer palette, maybe my first or second year of sewing. And that's really become the core of what my palette ended up being. And I think for me, what a color palette does is it means that you only buy fabric you're going to look good in and want to wear. So it really limits what I buy. If it's not in my color palette, I have to think really hard about, okay, what am I going to wear it with? What's it going to look like on me? And then once you have, you know, a stash of fabric that all is within the same palette, I think it's just a lot easier to get like a cohesive sort of look, I guess. Um, and for me, I keep thinking I need to like revive my posts about color palettes because I have lots of thoughts on them. For me, I figure most women already know what they look good in, right? So like look in your closet, look at your favorite clothes. I just use like a color grabber tool. Even in a Word doc, I think was how I did mine. Um, so pull out the colors you already wear because it can be this big soul searching process of like, what's my ideal capsule wardrobe and what colors should I wear this season? And I'm like, whatever, like just. Yeah, he's got time for that, right? <laughs> no, like most people already know that stuff. It's just about kind of reducing it down to something that helps drive your wardrobe forward. 
keeps you like on track. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea. Maybe you should offer that as a service. Send me a photograph <laughs> of your closet and I'll get your colors for you. You know what? I actually, um, I did that for about 10 friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was really fun, like what I thought suited them or what I thought they liked based on photos from their blog versus, you know, what they thought they liked. It was pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and insightful for them, I'm sure, to have a sort of neutral third party kind of say, this is what I'm seeing there. Yeah. Um, the other thing I found really helpful was another blog post that I've just been like working on sketching out kind of my updated version thinking what are 10 ish, 10, 12, 15, whatever patterns that you could sew a whole wardrobe from. Look at what you actually sew, what you sew lots of times. So for me, it's stuff like, you know, I've got like 20 pairs of espresso leggings. Like that is a workhorse in my wardrobe. You know, and I think when you kind of know, okay, well, like the Concord tea, I've got, oh my gosh, like 15 versions of it. It's been out for less than a year. So when you know some like basic shapes that you like, then you know it's going to fit. So you can start hacking them and like making variations. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely how I've built a wardrobe. I know some people love the challenge of sewing something new and doing all the fitting. And that's really not my style. I like to bang something out and wear it the next day. Right, because you know <laughs> what you like and what fits and go for it. That's, that's yeah. a great approach. So, Jillian, what was your proudest sewing moment? <sighs> you know what? That's such a hard one. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not like a special occasion sewist, you know, so I don't have like some silk charmeuse dress or, you know, something fancy <laughs> that I've made that's like a standout. So I guess... I mean, I remember being so excited that first pattern I made and like, you know, you've gotten over the hump and it's going to get easier from there. You've begun. And I think that's so important. Um, I started teaching sewing classes this summer and the moment when someone puts something on and they're like, it fits, you know, know, it's mostly the patterns work. But when you know you've coached someone through and they've gotten over that first garment hump, then that's pretty cool too. That's amazing. Congratulations on beginning uh, the, the teaching. How it's is that? Fun. How is that going? Really fun. I'm only two classes in, so I'm like mm-hmm. not an expert. Um, really interesting, like interesting to see different people's style of approaching a challenge or of sewing, how much direction people want, how much time they need, because it definitely goes slower than I first envisioned. But it's been really interesting, yeah, because teaching is my career. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some stuff that's transferable and some stuff that's really not because crowd control with, like, 30 kids who are learning math (laughs) is really different than four women who would like a perfect T-shirt, please. Only a little Um, bit different, though, right? (laughs) Only a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so it's been fun. Oh, that's great. And on the flip side, uh, what has been your biggest sewing disaster? Oh, man. Uh, Dish girlfriend. We want to hear all the gory details. Okay, so here's an old one. (laughs) This is an anecdote my sister told at my wedding, which was like six months before I got into garment sewing. When I was in high school, I used to walk home past a fabric lamp, which is Canada's chain fabric store for those of you who aren't from here. And I remember going in like maybe sometime in grade 10. And I was like, I'm going to make pajama pants. And then I decided the patterns were too expensive. So I just bought fabric and I went home and I like 
traced a pair of pajama pants that I owned. And then I would sew up these pajama pants that had the same crotch curve in front and back. And I would make them the whole width of the fabric. And then I would try them on and take like 10 inches off either side and try (laughs) them on again. And like, I still have one pair and they are hideous and horrible. But I, again, in that like, phase of late 90s 2000s when you could wear your pajama pants to school I am sure they have been seen by the public eye (laughs) so that's I mean something I wouldn't go back to but it was fine (laughs) at the time apparently so that's all right well good for you for just diving right in and being like yeah I don't need a pattern I can't I sort of can't imagine doing that I wouldn't have the the chutzpah to do that I think but that's you know what I have remains of cut out like Ah, like a chiffon overlay dress that I thought I could sew at 16. And now at 34, I'm like, what was I thinking? But at the time, I was like, yeah, I could do this. You could do anything at 16, right? Yeah. Never actually made it, but I still have the pieces. There you go. Yeah, biggest disaster. Um, I mean, we've all made really unattractive things. I think that's the thing that like makes me lose my sojo most. I just made a dress that makes me feel pregnant and frumpy and I'm hopefully not either. So like, <laughs> it's, you know, those are the things where you're kind of like, oh man, I wasted this fabric. I wasted time, you know, and then you try it on again. You're like, maybe I can take in the sides. Ooh, I don't know if that makes it better. You know, so I think for me, it's like those little bumps in the road sometimes turn me off sewing. Yeah, for sure. Although, you know, those bumps in the road are so important in terms of just our our overall sewing journeys, right? It feels like it was a waste of time if you don't get a wearable product out of it in the end. But for every every disaster, there's something you learned from that or you chose the wrong fabric or it wasn't a suitable pattern or silhouette or, you know, whatever it is. But Or you freaked out because, yeah, so like I gained like an inch on my hips and it was like, I need to add five inches of ease. (laughs) No, it's not true. So... (laughs) Yeah, the learning curve. I think you're right. And I definitely would encourage like beginners to just jump in and sew it and sew it wrong and have it not fit perfectly. Yeah. But at least you've tried and you've learned and you've begun. Yeah. So don't let perfection get in your way. That's my motto. Mm-hmm. Me too. My motto is something along the lines of uh, better is the enemy of good. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, because you really can let that... Um, you know, completely freeze you if, 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 if you let it. So that's, that's good yeah, advice. I agree. So Julian, on your blog, um, craftingarainbow.wordpress.com, you not only share your sewing projects, but you've also done some fun series, a couple of which I really enjoy. So there was the Better Pictures Project and also yeah. um, Sewing Dares. So maybe, well, let's start with Better Pictures Project. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, that and what you've learned from it that maybe other sewists who like to take pictures of what they've done could, could make use of. Yeah, so Better Pictures Project actually started uh, last summer and Truth be told, the reason it started was I was applying for a job, which I did eventually get. But I was so nervous waiting to hear whether I'd got the job or not that I started dreaming up like, I should make this big blog project, you know, take my mind off things. So I ended up emailing six bloggers, all of whom, you know, I sort of knew people like uh, 
Ooh, uh, what Katie sews or Rochelle knew people, uh, closet case files, people who had like really nice photos that inspired me. And I asked them all a series of questions and every month kind of looked at one theme about photography. So manual settings or editing or taking pictures inside, you know, posing, all that kind of stuff. And I looked at, you know, their advice each month went up on the blog and then I would do some sort of like homework or practice activity, um, you know, like trying to figure out how to take pictures sitting down, you know, or like just just playing around with photography, mm-hmm. um, you know, both for myself and hopefully for other people. You know, I think blogging and photography go hand in hand quite naturally. And some people really, you know, don't like that. I think, you know, you shouldn't, you don't need beautiful pictures to blog. I really, really believe that. But on the other hand, a nice picture helps people see your clothes. It helps you feel good about your, well, certainly helps me feel good about my clothes when I'm like, okay, no, I can look good in this. Like, Mm -hmm. that's great. You know, and I think it makes it more accessible to readers. It's more interesting when blogs have pictures. Obviously, it's a visual medium too. So that series kind of lasted six months, although there were a couple month-long breaks in between. So it really got spread out over about eight. But the nice thing is, you know, when I look back at my pictures from a year ago to now, I've got the same camera, same tech, but I really do feel like my pictures have improved. And I think that's a good lesson for people too. Like, you don't need the most fabulous new camera. Um, You just need to know how to use what you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so can you think off the top of your head, like, are there one or two sort of big bits of mm-hmm. advice? I mean, I think the first one, and I'd love to know, how many pictures do you take when you take blog photos? Um, it, well, it's my poor husband that I press into service oh, for doing this. So he does well. He does. He's, he's, uh, he's excellent for sure. He's, he's uh, very patient. Um, but I think the number of pictures depends on his level of patience on that particular day. So yes. probably, I'd say probably 25 pictures or so, maybe to get uh, four or five into a blog post. Well, that's good. I used to have my husband take pictures for me and it just was too stressful for me and for him, (laughs) you know, and trying to teach him like, no, don't center my head in the middle of the frame. Like get my body in there. He's really tall. He did a great job, but I decided, so I'm a tripod person. Mm -hmm. I love a tripod and remote because you can just take as long as you want. You can take as many angles as you want. I take probably 150 photos. Wow. If I'm going out to take photos, I'm just trigger happy. Click, 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 walk towards the camera. Click, 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 walk away. Click, 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 click. Yeah. And I personally find that really relaxing Mm -hmm. because no single frame is all that important. You know, some will work out, some will be crap. Um, So I think taking lots and that also kind of gives your body like, muscle memory. I think most bloggers would agree that you kind of get certain poses, which are your trusty pose. And you know, at least that photo will be fine. And then you can play around with aiming for something better than fine. Um, So take lots. Don't be afraid of like a bit of routine and trusty poses. Mm -hmm. And then that gives you some more freedom, I think. Yeah, that's good advice. I um, recently shared um, my photographs from projects I made recently on Facebook 
Um, certainly not all of my friends follow my sewing blog and nor should they because it would mm-hmm. be just like deathly boring for them as non-sewists. But I posted um, one photo per project in a little album um, and I noticed in looking at them in that format that I have one trusty pose and that's usually me with my sunglasses on and I'm usually holding my glasses in some way or another and I could just see the repetition. I'm like, oh, I see I really do like that one pose in particular. That's the one. <laughs> Whereas I struggle, I always want to try a pose where like my hand is casually at my head or in my hair but I look like an idiot most of the time in that pose but I throw at least one in in every photoshot shoot in case I look amazing and glamorous one Uh, day it will work out there'll be the shot yeah I am working yeah you you go for it (laughs) that's awesome yeah. Um, so the other really cool, fun thing on your blog is the the sewing dares. I think you did this once before, and then you just resurrected it again recently. Um, yeah. And you basically offered to give readers a sewing dare of their own if they made a comment. You would go and well, well, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about how that works and and uh, how many people participated and and what's the outcome so far. Well, I think the current outcome is that I really need to write a post about all the people that actually fulfilled their dares Mm -hmm. and that can be like an eight hour project. So I have not made the time for that yet, but basically, yeah. Sewing dares, something I think I started probably in 2012 the first time and I've done it a couple times since. Um, and basically like, you know, I think we all need to get out of our comfort zone a bit and sort of like looking at people's color palette and making, my best guess of what they might like. I really like the process of looking at someone's blog. Maybe I know them well and we're friends. Maybe I've never read their blog before and thinking like, okay, I see, you know, these are your last 10 projects. Here's what I think might fill a gap for you. Or like a good 50% of the time, I'm just going to find that spot in someone's blog where they say, oh, I really need to make, you know, one of these. And I'm like, hey, that's my dare. Um, And people dare me back, which is only fair. But I just, I think it's nice to have like kind of a frivolous little challenge. And if you don't fulfill your dare, I'm not going to come knocking on your door. But some people have, you know, like So Busy Lizzie, it was one of my first dares. And she ended up making a hack of a dress that has become one of her favorite, like tried and two patterns. She's made it a ton of times. So I think it's nice, you know, when a dare can turn out to work for somebody. For sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's such a fun idea and, and yet really pushes people in certain ways. And as you say, you know, some people came out with something they didn't realize they could achieve. Um, but yeah. all I could think was how much work it was for you as I saw the comments piling up. And p- there must have been a hundred people who said, yeah, please give me a dare. Easily. And I thought, oh my goodness, poor Jillian is going and reading all of these people's Instagrams or blogs or whatever and, and finding yeah. that one, you know, button to push for that person. Yeah. So. Well, again, it's, you know, my teacher brain kicks in because, you know, most of a teacher's life is walking around, you have three seconds to assess what a student has done or what they're asking and figure out what that person's next step is. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same, even in, you know, grade one, it's not the same for everybody in the room. It's each person has a different goal, what's manageable for them, you know, what's too big a dare or too big a challenge or too big an extension for a student, you know, so I like that part of it, but it is, you know, fairly time consuming. Um, but a fun one. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like, I think the first sort of project I did on my blog was maybe end of year annual wrap ups, like the top five of 
2015 or 14 or 13 or whatever. And I remember being so nervous when I put up the first post about it, like proposing a blogosphere project seemed so nerve wracking. And I thought people would be like, well, who are you to say that, you know, you should do a wrap up of end of year, like someone else is doing that or whatever. I thought people were going to be, I don't know, judge me for it. And I think the truth about the sewing blog world is that people are so nice. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, for you guys, you wanted a podcast. So you make a podcast. If you want a blog series, make a blog series. And maybe you've got five readers or 500 or 5,000. But I feel like people are really open to that. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's the nice thing about blogging. Just jump in and community will be there. Absolutely. That is that is the wonderful thing about this sewing community is, uh, yeah, it's very supportive and nobody's judging. And I, I think one of the things that really struck me when I first started sewing and started looking for resources online and came across uh, blogs was seeing people um, sewists, for example, posing in a bathing suit they'd made. And I thought, oh, my God, you're posing on the Internet in your bathing suit. But it's and I was delighted by that, right? You know, sure. at first sort of surprised, and then I thought, that's incredible. And that's kind of part of what um, what this is all about, is we're making our own clothes, and we're figuring out what works for us and what we're comfortable in. Um, and, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a rare occasion when you get, um, you know, when you get insults negative or, or negative trolling yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty cool that way. Uh, one of the other projects that, I always have going on is I'm one of the six editors for the Curvy Sewing Collective, you know, and it's just such a cool community of women who are plus size or any size, um, you know, looking at what do we feel good in and how do patterns work, you know, when you're a size 24 or 30, how do patterns work when you're, you know, a size six, but with big boobs, you know, I just think it's so nice that all these body types that grew up with clothes that made them feel like their body was wrong. You know, it's just yeah. amazing that every single day we get feedback from women who are saying, you know, I didn't think I was worth nice things. And now I realize I can sew and look good. Yeah. And that makes people feel good. It's so worth it. I love it. Very empowering for sure. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite sources of sewing inspiration? Mm. Well, I mean, probably the like 500 blogs I follow. Um, Pinterest, definitely a Pinterest person. I like being able to look back at things that I liked previously and think, okay, was it the neckline? Was it the length? Was it the fabric? Um, I do a lot of scoping out my coworkers, I have to say, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and thinking, oh, you know, I like the way that sleeve is or, you know, I'd like to find some fabric for something like that. Um, have That's you ever so stopped someone course. in the office and said, wait a second, let me just see that sleeve or whatever it is? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once people know I sew, like it's not the first thing I bring up. But if I've worked there long enough that people know, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm just going to lift your arm because I need to look at this. <laughs> Could oh, yeah, you just turn sure. around for a second while I look at the bottom of that waistband? Yeah, I've done that yeah, to people exactly. before too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where do you find your inspiration? Oh, well, you know, certainly in the blogging world, I love to follow blogs. Um, I um. Instagram, Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just uh, and I was just recently talking with Helena on on our last episode about this. The um, it, sometimes there's just so much inspiration you can spend all your time being inspired and none of it actually sewing, right? Yes, and I'm there right now with this piece of fabric that's got like 
inch wide stripes and I can't wait to sew it, but I can't find the right pattern. So I've spent like, honestly, I don't know, five or more hours looking at inspiration for this one piece of fabric. And I know I need to stop and like walk away because if the right idea is not coming, then I just need to leave it until the right thing comes along. Yeah. That's a good but idea. it's hard. Yeah, it can get really overwhelming. For sure. Where, where do you buy um, a lot of your fabric? Because I, I must say I see your makes and I'm, I love your choice of fabric in like just about yeah. every single case. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love that. I, I wonder where she got it. Where can I get some of my yeah. So I'm a fabric land girl, um, which, as I said before, that's our chain store. Actually, the, the location in my city closed. So oh, no. now if I want to buy fabric or, you know, big four patterns, I have to go to a city that's 40 minutes away or 50 minutes away in another direction or an hour in another direction. Oh, no. Which is a bummer for sure. Um, so what I tend to do is kind of the thing about fabric land I find is that their normal fabric isn't all that fabulous. But if you, you can find really great things in the ends. So I tend to like do a little, you know, fabric store crawl from different locations. Like if it's $5 or less, I'll buy it, um, you know, and just find what treasures await. I tried buying online um, kind of two years ago, maybe up to one year ago. The exchange rate is just so awful right now. Mm-hmm, when um, you're purchasing from the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you purchase from the U.S. and ship to Canada, you're paying almost double what an American is. Yeah. So it's just not worth it unless it's something you really can't get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have, by the way, found a couple of um, Canadian online stores. One is called uh, Loiseau. Blackbird is great. Loiseau is yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I still... I mean, I guess I'm a $5 a meter fabric girl (laughs) really is where it comes down to. So it's hard for me to justify spending, you know, $40 to get two, two and a half meters of fabric to my door. Uh I just, I can't handle it because then I also don't enjoy sewing with the fabric because I've got too much like pressure. Um, too much invested like in it. Cheap and cheerful and the thrill of the hunt. Right. Yeah. Well, now I'm doubly amazed at your makes since they're all uh, bargain bargain ends um, <laughs> scores. That's really cool. Um, so how do you keep track of your sewing plans and your fabric stash? Do you have particular online platforms that you like to use or apps or? No. Sometimes I think, oh, wouldn't that be fun? But no, really, that's not my idea of fun. Um so I, I have my stash and shelves so I can see it. So I kind of look at things and I know in my head, you know, what my like A plan is for things. But quite often I'll go with my B plan or my C plan, depending what I feel. Um, I used to sketch every month um, in notability, like make a little picture of what I was going to make. And I loved going back and like putting the check mark over things that I had finished making. Um, but I just fell out of practice. No, so I don't, I'm not really a planner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that um, Helena and I do uh, every second episode in our podcast is to ask for listener feedback on a particular question. And uh, the one that we've just asked about is what makes something look handmade? And is this a good thing or a bad thing? And I'd love to get <laughs> your thoughts 
on that? It's tough, eh? I mean, I think for me, it's hems that can set apart not something that looks handmade or store-bought, but something that hangs nicely. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, we have all done a terrible hem, and especially on knits, it can be really hard to finish things. So you either go for a raw hem, which is fine. Like I have a lot of, you know, raw edge hem still lingering in my wardrobe, but I have to say getting a cover stitch machine for me really changed like what patterns I felt I could make and make look good. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I did meet someone who was a sewist once because she saw my sleeve was finished with a triple zigzag and she was like, Hey, did you make that? You know, and if I'd sewn it on a cover stitch, she never would have asked that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, I think there's value Make things look as good as you can, but don't, I wouldn't fret too much about things looking handmade. I don't see that as a negative. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. But that is like a, a weird lingering stereotype that like Becky Homecky thing. Like, I don't know. I think we need to be nicer to our craft and also, you know, value that homemade is not worse than store-bought. Yeah, I agree. Finally, I want to ask you if you have any particular sewing tips that you'd like to share with our listeners. I know you're, you you sew a lot of knits and you've actually got a section in your blog about tips for sewing knits. And so anything that you'd like to share, things that you've discovered have really helped your process? I think my best tip for sewing knits is you need to be bossy with the fabric. So when you're sewing knits, you say, I want, you know, point A to sew along to point B and I'm going to make these two fabrics go together, you know, make those stripes match, trim things off and even it later. Like just be assertive with knits. I think there's still a bit of a lingering stereotype that they're tricky, but I think that's really dissipated and that's really positive. Um, Knits are so forgiving to sew and to wear. So I think you can get away with a lot with them. Just be firm don't let them win. I think we've all done that neck band where you're like, oh no, I can't stretch this fabric far enough. And then you're left at the end with a totally, you know, like this big gap where you've used up all the neck band, you know, fabric and you've still got two more inches of shirt. You just needed to be assertive from the beginning and be like, nah, this is going to work. That's my theory. Love it. There's, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you're familiar with this. I also I also knit and there's a, a book called Dominitrix, uh, Whip Your Knitting Into one. Shape. And so nice. that, you know, I guess you could call yourself a Dominitrix as well. There we go. <laughs> Show those knits who's boss and get them in exactly. line. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. Well, listen, Jillian, it's been a real pleasure to meet you today. And thank you so much for being on the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. Really appreciate your time. And I look forward to completing my sewing dare, which was to sew menswear. Um, I've put it off and put it off because I think essentially I'm just a really selfish sewer. Um, but, you know, maybe my husband might get a necktie for Christmas and that will be thanks you to you. You can do it. <laughs> I just sewed my husband some underwear because the last ones I made him were literally like disintegrating on his body and it got so <laughs> embarrassing when I saw them every morning. So you can do it. Aim small. Aim small. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great <laughs> advice. Thanks so much, Jillian. You take care now. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. 